What's up, South Florida sports fans, and welcome to a brand new episode of Miami Miked Up with me, Jeremy Taché. Obviously, this is a new introduction to the podcast, and it's a new segment we're going to have off the top of every single episode. I just want to give you guys a bit of an introduction to who our guest is each week, so you're never going in uninitiated. This week, our guest is Josh Moser, the lead sports anchor at WSVN Channel 7 here in Miami. Josh and I have grown to know each other because I actually used to work at WSVN. We spent about a month together as co-workers. Obviously, I love the work that they do with 7 Sports Extra. But Josh's story is also pretty interesting in how he got into this business, grew up in Los Angeles, started the career in Grand Junction, Colorado, Last stop was Green Bay, Wisconsin, before ending up here in Miami. And we've got a whole slew of topics to speak about across South Florida sports. So enjoy this episode of Miami Miked Up with Jeremy Taché, featuring Josh Moser. Very excited for this episode of Miami Miked Up, welcoming in a former co-worker. We were chips passing in the night at WSVN, uh, the lead sports anchor now at WSVN. It's Josh Moser. Josh, it's a pleasure to have you on here, man. This is exciting. Something we've talked about for a while now. Oh, you know, anytime you get to hang out with Jeremy Tache, you know, <laughs> got to bring the cachet, maybe oh, some alizé, <laughs> talk a little blasé. <laughs> Well, but, no, thank you, thank here. you, thank you, thank you for coming on. I'm I'm super excited to have you, and uh, yeah, this was a long time coming. So, first question to you, same to everybody else that that we've had on. What's something recently outside of work, outside of sports, that has brought you joy? Ooh, well, I'm coming from Green Bay, Wisconsin, <laughs> so it is negative ten degrees there right now. So, I would say uh, we're sitting outside on a balcony. We've got uh, the tropicalness of Miami. Uh, my biggest joy comes from people. And, uh, you know, I think you are so shaped by who you surround yourself with and you want to surround yourself with great people. And, uh, for me, I'm from Los Angeles. Now I'm in Miami. I've had multiple stops along the way. And, you know, you realize you get a lot of the same things in different places with a little twist, but what really makes it is the people. And, and, uh, I would say that's, uh, that's been my joy is just connecting and, and continuing to meet people here in South Florida. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, I would say that brings me joy. That's awesome. Well, and for those of you who don't know, I did do a little bit of an introduction uh, before this episode started, but Josh has been here at WSVN for about the same time that I've been at Bally, which was essentially through all of yeah. 2021 and now here at the start of 2022. So Really, for Josh, you, man, this is your first full season with a lot of these teams, and that's really exciting. We are going to touch on all four teams that we can at the moment. The Miami Marlins will be the one team we don't talk about down here, but that's obviously our two team partners with the Heat and the Panthers, and then the Dolphins and Canes will get some football talk in, too. But before we do that, I kind of want to talk to you about your journey to becoming a sports broadcaster down here in Miami specifically. So it's obviously a a long journey, but I want to start right at the beginning, which is what sparked your love of sports? Did you play? And and when did you know that sports was, was more than just something you were doing and was a passion for you? Uh, So it, it started really with my grandfather. My mom's mom was a college basketball player and, uh, was phenomenal, played for the University of Iowa. My mom's side of the family's from Des Moines. And uh, he just, it was my love for him, you know, just growing up as a little kid. And then I grew up in Los Angeles. My mom was a gymnast, was a gymnast in college. My dad played tennis in college. So we were just kind of an athletic family. 
And then growing up in Southern California, it's how I made all of my friends from T-ball to basketball to the AYSO soccer that turned into club sports, AAU, travel baseball. And so basically sports was just kind of always ingrained in my life. Mm. And then as I continued through high school and then I had a chance to play in college for a little bit. And then basically I got injured and I was set to be a team doctor. I was on this path to go be an orthopedic surgeon, had pre-med set up, wanted to keep sports in my life. And after spending some time in the hospital, uh, I decided to, you know, I, I needed this void to be filled. And so I did an internship. I met this wonderful man. His name is Kurt Sandoval. He's the uh, weekend sports anchor at ABC7 in Los Angeles. His wife is Jeannie Zelasco, uh, who was a national Fox reporter. So they kind of adopted me, basically. And so I did this internship, and I was just like, man, this is fantastic. I'm 20 years old. Uh, you know, I'm going to all these sporting events. I remember covering David Beckham's first game with the Los Angeles Galaxy oh way back gosh. when. And I just kind of found this niche and I'm like, I got to run with this. So I dabbled, you know, once I was done playing sports, like, do I want to go be a sports agent? So I did an internship and I'm like, this isn't for me. And going to USC, we had a lot of athletes that were coming through and where I grew up, we produce a lot of professional and college athletes. So it's, it's kind of this weird you know, it's just kind of been my life and I've just kind of continued to run right. with it. So it's, it's really taken on a different path. And as I've gotten older and have entered different stages of life, different things become important. Uh, but it's always like we go back, you know, every Thanksgiving and there's still a, a football game right. that we all play in. Yep. And, you know, it, it's like a movie and we all get to see each other and we're all so spread out now. And I think that's been the coolest part. Uh, so that was my initial kind of getting into sports. It was just ingrained in the family. Mm. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't change anything in that regard. It's, you know, I mean, you're sitting here smiling, all the people you <laughs> get to meet. And, you know, that's what about it. it's just really connecting with people. It, it's truly a lifestyle and a culture and health and fitness, especially after uh, dealing with some health issues. You know, that's a priority in my life. And, you know, as, as, as far as we can, as fast as we can, and, you know, have as much fun doing it. That's amazing. Well, and, and I can totally, totally relate to the, you know, it was your childhood and just ultimately became like, oh, th- yeah, I'm going to keep doing this because this is where the passion is. But it, I know that your, your path through that and you mentioned parts of it were really interesting in terms of you stopped in sort of sports agency and dipping your toes over there. And you, you, you clearly didn't necessarily know that sports television was where you were headed at the beginning. So do you remember having a bit of a like aha moment of, oh, yeah, being in front of the camera, that, that, that's what I enjoy, or storytelling, that's what I enjoy? No, it was more of I'm at USC and I'm trying, just a hungry kid, just trying to take advantage of as many opportunities. And I have a childhood friend who became a, decent hip-hop star so I went and traveled with his band for six months and uh, they had a residency here at the W Hotel way back when so it's kind of like growing up in Los Angeles you have this kind of sports entertainment music world and I grew up around that like that was just everyday normal life and now I realize man that wasn't normal like how (laughs) lucky was I to do this and so it was almost like process of elimination so I was offered a GA coaching spot at the University of Hawaii when I was graduating from school. 
uh, our assistant basketball coach, Gib Arnold took the head coaching job there and then wanted me to go with him. Yeah. And so I dabbled, I dabbled in that and I'm like, eh, not really feeling it for me. Then I went on tour with this band and I'm like, this is great, but I need to have my creative outlet. And then I'm like, okay, like what else can I try to do? So then I was a producer at the NFL network kind of doing behind the scenes type of stuff. And, uh, that was a blast, but I just had this, you know, I wanted to tell stories. I wanted to be a part of it. And I go back to Kurt, who I had mentioned, yep. and he's like, man, you know, you got to go for it. And so coincidentally enough, I started in this, the same station that he did, which was KREX TV. It's the CBS and Fox affiliate in Grand Junction, Colorado. Mm -hmm. uh, luckily enough, the station was brand new. They built the building up like two years before I had gotten there. I got it because a friend of mine from USC that I went through the journalism program with, he was an anchor there. And, you know, it's those weird things mm -hmm. and uh, just the weird connections. Kurt was there and it, it all kind of came together. And it basically was just like default, like, all right. And then, you know, kind of like your personality is, you know, if I have an opportunity, I want to make the most of it. And obviously I have a passion for sports and it's just kind of evolved and it's been a great journey so far. And I mean, we're just getting started. Sometimes yep. I look too far ahead of the future, <laughs> yeah. but looking back, if my 18 year old self, my 22 year old self would be sitting where I am now, I mean, talking to you on Valley, <laughs> you know, we're in Miami, we're in South Florida, I'd be like, man, like we're getting paid to do this. So it, it really puts things in perspective. It's so cool to, to hear the perspective from you though, because like you said, man, you're in Grand Junction, Colorado, and then you're in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and now you're sitting here with, and for those of you just listening on audio, Josh is sitting on the balcony at his apartment complex with this beautiful Miami skyline behind him, and it's, it's amazing. And so now you're down here, and I'm intrigued because I would imagine those markets were very, very, very different from Miami in a bunch of different ways, and I, I feel lucky, right? I've never had to learn how to speak the jargon of any other fan bases. I grew up down here. I watched these teams. I've grown up watching people cover these teams. And now I know how to sort of ingratiate myself into it and where those roles fit. But for you, you're going from a couple of towns where, you know, like you said, it's negative 10 degrees. It's a very different culture and style around their teams and different passionate fan bases. So I wonder what are the maybe the biggest differences in the fan bases between what you saw maybe in Green Bay and down here and the culture around covering these teams? And do you think what you learned there helped you, you know, helped you assimilate here? Or was it sort of like you needed something brand new when you got down here? So I guess the biggest difference, so after Grand Junction, I went to Denver. And that was Peyton Manning was there. They won the Super Bowl. It's a football town. Uh, even though they're the Nuggets, they have the Avalanche, they have the Rockies. So I would say market size, mm. very similar to Miami. Um, completely different culture. Green Bay, obviously everything, really Packers, in Packers, all Packers. of Wisconsin goes around the Packers. Right. So Lambeau Field is a very, very special place. Um, I would say for the journalists that are watching, the most important thing that I was taught is know who your audience is. And when you're a young kid or you, you obviously have to be yourself, like you, you can't be anybody else. You just have to be your authentic you. So that's first and foremost, but remember who your audience is and who you're speaking to. And, you know, 
fan this week, you know, talking about Peppas and Faruco. Right. Like, you know, it's like your smile, like that relates to the community. Different I can audience. talk about yeah, I can talk about beer and cheese in Wisconsin. I can right. talk about marijuana in Denver. Like yep. it doesn't, you know, you kind of get to pick and choose, but it has to be truthful. And for me, a big part of that and what I've tried to do this first year is is to get to different parts of the city and to meet all of the people, to find out and connect with these fan bases on Twitter. There's a guy, Ian, who's fantastic. That's a huge Dolphin super fan. That's bringing everybody together, getting tickets. And there's this guy, Dolphin Derek, who's fantastic. <laughs> He's at every U game, you know, throw it up. Uh, so it's, it. It, it, it's finding these stories and maybe you know, in the beginning, when I was younger, I, all I cared about, like, were the athletes. Like, it was so cool to be around all of these athletes, you know. I mean, Kobe Bryant just just passed away, you know, two-year mm-hmm. anniversary of, of his death. And here you have Bam talking about it. I still get goosebumps because of what I made Kobe to be in my mind as a kid. And then, so with you and the people that have been down here, like, it's so special to, to see all of the progressions and to get to cover these childhood teams. And, you know, coming from now you learn to appreciate different things I would say it it gives me a broader perspective but with different sports like NFL is very national so you Mm -hmm. can talk about that I would say baseball is very very regional you know and then with hockey the Panthers are arguably you know the best team right now they had the most points coming in (laughs) with with the avalanche the irony exactly you know I mean they're 21 and three at home but to get people in Miami to get up to sunrise to go to a game, like it's it's, it's, it's it's difficult to do. Now, once people experience hockey in person, like it's it's a game changer. So it's also difficult. You asked what was different in Miami. There's obviously a lot of entertainment options, and there's also a lot of transplants, and there's also a lot of people that are not from this country. So when you're in the Midwest, like Columbus with Ohio State you know, Indianapolis with all of their teams, Green Bay and all the Wisconsin teams. I mean, that's the lifeblood of the city. Miami in South Florida isn't necessarily like that. However, there are groups of people that exist. Right. So it's just a matter of getting the people to see what the product is. And obviously winning solves everything. And then it's matching it up with personalities where you can get, you know, JJ with the heat, you know, time to ball y'all. And, you know, people (laughs) say that in the streets or, you know, Will Manso has been here forever. Jim Barry uh, yep. took over for Steve Shapiro, who was here for, you know, 25 plus years. So, you know, there's there's a lot of special people and all the people that work for the organizations, you know, they understand that, you know, you, it's a community, it's a family. And when the athletes see that and when you can buy into that and when you can be a part of something, especially now with this pandemic, everyone's been isolated. I know it's been a little bit more loose in Florida than, you know, say New York or California, but when you get that team atmosphere, you know, like you, and you're shaking your head. Like you remember your high school baseball team for everyone listening. Oh, Jim man. was a great high school pitcher. <laughs> um, but it's, it's when you're working together for that common goal. God, I sound like a coach. Uh, no, but it's, it's real though. It's real. What it, you're talking about is real. You have purpose. Yeah. You have purpose. And I think it's defining what that purpose is. And the cool thing also about the fans, like you can go to a heat game, you can get people that are really into the game. You can get people there to, just to be seen you get yep. people there that don't know basketball but they're experiencing <laughs> it for the first time they're there to dance you know yep. so it's that you can always sports to me and why i it's so important in my in my life it's the one entity that i feel like can bring a community together and 100 and to me it's bringing everybody together and that's how i get my happiness that's how i get my joy and you know to be able to sit here and tell those stories 
you know, it, it's about sharing. You can have all the money in the world, you know, you can have everything, but if you've got nobody to share it with, you know, for me, that's, that's not worth it. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think, you know, these teams down here have been such a wonderful example through, man, what the heat did in the bubble during the pandemic. And I know that was right yeah. before you got down here, but right. That was like when we were all locked in our homes and we were, we oh, were yeah. all bonding through this team that was doing something special. And, and that's what sports do. It brings everybody together. So like you said, down here, you know, maybe in, in Wisconsin, it's everybody's got these same sort of, and not always, right? But everybody's got sort of these same ideals toward the Green Bay Packers. And there's this really specific fandom and Miami is something so different. And then, like you said, we've got a million different types of people with totally different relationships to sports who consider themselves huge fans that that in other places of the country you wouldn't even understand that fandom and it's something that's so beautiful to bring everybody together but now let's start getting into some of the analysis of these teams we'll be brief yeah. we're going to try to touch on on all four teams um you know obviously we'll start with our two teams here with Bally and it's going to start with the Miami sure. Heat so the Heat they've won eight of their last 10 as we're having this conversation they play tomorrow against the uh, LA Clippers and then Saturday or I guess as this is being released it's Friday and Saturday the Clippers and then the Raptors uh, they've won eight of their last 10 11 of 12 at home they were alone in first place in the east for the first time since a certain somebody who passed through here this past weekend was on the team in 2014 and they've done it without a chunk of their roster right Markeith Morris has been out since Nikola Jokic assaulted him a couple of months ago uh, Victor Oladipo hasn't played yet this season. Bam missed a month and a half. Jimmy's missed 18 games. Tyler missed time with COVID. Kyle Lowry's missed the last five due to personal reasons. And, yeah. and whatever is going on with Kyle, we're wishing him the best, by the way. I, I don't know what's going on there, but whatever is going on, I sure hope he's doing all right. There's been 12 games played with Jimmy, Bam, Kyle, and Tyler on the floor. And yet Four. here we are having this conversation. So Josh, talk to me about what's impressed you during this run, whether that's an overall philosophy, specific units, individual players. Have you ever seen anything like what the Heat have done in this first half of the season? I haven't. I think it all goes back to head coach Eric Spolstra, to mm -hmm. be honest with you, and the job of them developing players. I mean, you look at Duncan Robinson, who went off finally, last, yes. you know, in the win over the Knicks. But when this team... It's really Steph Curry changed the game. But, I mean, they're shooting threes at over 40%. When you do that, it's hard to beat. But there's a couple key pieces to me. I know you paid Duncan the big contract, $90 million. Max Struess has really come along. And now I know his agent's constantly calling. I'm like, hey, when's Max getting paid? When's Max getting paid? <laughs> sure. And the other guy is, is the big year, Omer Yurtsevich. I mean, this guy, I remember seeing him in summer league, but his size and when – I've seen him on the floor and what he can do. He can develop. I thought, obviously, with Bam coming back, Devin coming back, but he provided a double-double a night almost. Huge. And mm -hmm. he is so young. He's a piece that they've really developed. I mean, here's a couple guys. Caleb Martin was a guy that nobody wanted. It's crazy. And they signed him on a two-way contract and his work ethic and what he's been through. So all of that goes back to leadership. Yep. And – when you get those guys to bring them along, it's, it's special. And you, you talk about the chemistry between this team. And I know he doesn't play a lot, but I love the role of UD. I know he's Mr. You know, Miami, Mr. South Florida. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to equate this to the Dolphins because I'm talking to their players and talking to their coaches, former players on the team, they didn't have leadership at the beginning of the season, especially on the offensive side of the ball. 
And as a coach, I was talking with Matt Collins and he's like, look, coaches can only do so much. It's up to the players in the locker room. And when you have UD in the locker room, that's a special role. We haven't seen it really in the NBA, but obviously what he's done for Bam and what he's doing for that team and just the rallying that this team has. He did it last night. I mean, he did it in the Knicks game where they were up 19 points in the fourth quarter and he's berating everybody on the sideline because the Knicks were on like a 7-2 to two run. Like that's exactly. the type of mentality. Exactly. And that's, that's the difference between winning and losing and being a playoff team and a playoff contender. Mm. And I think the Heat are there. I think they have all of the pieces. Um, you know, I'm hoping that they stay healthy. I'm hoping that Oladipo can fit in and they can get that chemistry going. And, you know, I love having Tyler off the ball when Lowry's there. I think Gabe Vincent's done a good job in a backup role. I mean, this is a deep roster. It, it might be the deepest roster in the NBA when they're healthy. And I'm, uh, I'm curious to see how this is going to, going to rock out. But I, I think the way it's looking now, I would expect this team to go further than the first round with the 4-0 sweep that they had last year against the Bucs. Yeah, I, I certainly would feel the same way, and, and we can certainly hope for it. It is interesting as we start, we're about 10, 11, 12 days from the trade deadline, and you wonder, right, because this team has so much depth, whether they're viewing that, as they always do, as the main strength through the rest of the season, and that's just the way to roll with it, and everybody stays the same, or... If, you know, Pat Riley and company decide, hey, we have all these guys who have who we've created, you know, do sure. we, we package a few of them to make any sort of even minor moves to make tweaks to the roster? So I personally, right. and I'm sure you feel the same, would probably keep it exactly the same. Look at this team. They've been remarkable. They're so deep. But yeah. it, it's going to be fun the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I, it all depends on what they offer. And mm -hmm. you always want to weigh the short term versus the long term. I know Duncan Robinson's name was kind of out there a while because of the Crazy. progression of yeah. Max Struess and because of the big contract that they gave him. But then you see him go off for 25 points against the Knicks, 7 11 3. Yeah. I think he's shooting it like it's like 18 of 32 over the last three games. It's insane. Yeah. You can't, you, you need a guy like that. And his I think everybody needs to remember exactly not everyone is going to be the best player on the team every single night. And that's what makes this team amazing, right? What makes this team so good is that on any given night, Jimmy Butler or Kyle Lowry or Bam Adebayo or PJ Tucker can end up with a triple double because Caleb Martin or Max Struess or Duncan Robinson or Gabe Vincent right. is scoring 20 plus points. It's really, it's been so fun to watch. And another team that offensively, cause we, you know, the Heat have been led by their defense mostly, defense. and those guys have, have contributed offensively. But the offense of the Florida Panthers, they, <laughs> this, team, this team has made me fall in love with hockey, a sport that for a long time, like my best friend in the world played hockey growing up. And I was constantly, I'll be honest, I, I was constantly like, I don't get it. I don't understand the appeal. And I think it's because up until now, I had never seen what a great hockey team could look like, right? We'd For so many years, maybe I just didn't realize how great the sport could be. And so now, as of this conversation, I'm going to try to put this part of our conversation out there before the game tonight. The Panthers are playing against the, the Golden Knights, um, and they've won 11 of 14 since returning from their COVID-induced hiatus. They're 29-9-5, 63 points, again, tied with the Avalanche for the best in hockey. So you've covered hockey before. Uh, I'm sort of new to it, right? This market's sort of new to it. How excited should Cats fans be about this team's ability to make a run? And, and what do you think will be the biggest factor for them going forward if they are to do so? For the fans, you need to realize that 
you should be on the Panthers as much, if not more, as you are on the Heat. They are on mm-hmm. that same level. This team has the pieces in place to compete for a Stanley Cup. I know Tampa Bay has won the last two. It's a little different this year because it's a normal schedule where you're not playing the teams in your division. Right. Bill Zito, the general manager, has changed this team. And I had a chance to go to dinner with him right before the season started, and we talked a little bit. That this man has his fingerprints all over the roster. We were talking about maybe a trade deadline for the Heat, but it's finding guys, and Jeremy, we've talked about this, that maybe aren't the best players, but they work the best together in that chemistry. Yep. And like the Heat locker room, when talking to these hockey guys, they really play for one another, and they're super fun. Yeah, um, a, a lot of them love video games. I mean, you forget some of these guys <laughs> are like 24, 25. For me, it's it's they have a really, really special group. I don't people think people understand how good Sasha Barkov is and I mean Sasha Barkov is a centerpiece I mean I know he plays center but he's he, he's the cornerstone of a franchise like Jimmy Butler I mean he's at that level and you forget how young he is and how young this core is they can stay together for four to five seasons here and what Bill Zito has built and how he's running this especially you remember Joel Quinville head coach, won Stanley Cups with the Blackhawks, no longer the head coach. You've mm-hmm. got Andrew Burnett, basically an unknown. He comes in, and then you look at the success that they're having. Sports, the word adversity is thrown around a lot. This is huge, and, and the job that Bruno's done, I think, needs to be commended. Uh, coaching an all-star team here coming up, but this should be special. And your second question about you know the biggest thing moving forward, uh, goaltending. And mm. can, can Bob be good? Now, a lot of that is, is the defense in front. We know this team can score. We know that, you know, but it, it, it's defense. And if we saw them switch up a couple of lines on the road here, and if they can kind of find that rhythm, but mm-hmm. it, it, it starts in the back in hockey. And if, if Bob can be great, if Spencer Knight can return to what he was doing, uh, you know, early last year when he came on, like he was unstoppable. And so if they get a run going and those goalies get hot, you know, they've got so many pieces in front that can just score the puck that it's going to be really, really difficult to beat the Panthers. Plus, you throw in that experience from the playoffs. And, you know, this team is is positioned, if they can stay healthy, to make a, a really, really deep run. There's, there's like two basketball comparisons that immediately came to my head, ironically, in, in this whole conversation. So, first of all, what's amazing is that we're having this conversation, and I agreed with every single thing you said. We talked about Sasha Barkov. Jonathan Huberto is the guy who might win the MVP. That's how good this Panthers team is, is that we can have a full conversation and talk about how great they are and don't even need to mention the guy who might be the MVP. Like, that's how deep they are. But I have two sort of thoughts that came to mind. One, you talk about the coaching side of it. It almost, and it's obviously super, super different circumstances, but it almost reminds me of when Luke Walton was coaching the Warriors for the season where Steve Kerr was out. And basically... It was step in. This team is so remarkably talented that all you need to do is continue to encourage them to do the things that they were doing before. But that takes a special type of coach to drop the ego at the door and let those players continue to thrive that way. And I think Coach Brunette does deserve credit in the same Mm -hmm. way that Luke Walton won a coach of the year, I believe, with the Golden State Warriors. And then you mention the Tampa Bay Lightning and the playoff experience that the Panthers have. And you can only, I mean, for me, it reminds me there, 90s Bulls going up against those bad boy Pistons that were beating them down and beating them down and beating them down. And eventually they overcame and that core was able to go on a run. And you can only hope that that's the same thing here 
for the Florida Panthers, that eventually they knock down that door of the lightning and that this core can be the one that sort of carries them, you know, this season and beyond. So that's, uh, it's certainly exciting for both of these teams that, you know, I'm just going to say they're on our air guys. You can watch just about every single night. You can watch two of the most entertaining teams in sports in the Florida Panthers and the Miami heat. But I do want to now step toward a couple of teams that aren't our team partners, but are still down here in Miami. And I know you have a, a uh, you're plugged in on, on both of them with the Miami hurricanes and the Miami dolphins. We'll start at the collegiate level with the hurricanes first. Uh, I spoke with Mike Ryan of the Dan Lebitard show on this podcast a few weeks ago when he broke the news that Mario Cristobal would be hired down here at the University of Miami. We had a bunch of predictions as to what was going to happen, how it was going to go. A lot of that seems to be going in that direction. It's been a recruiting frenzy for Mario. Um, I I just sort of want your overall opinion on the hire, but also maybe what you think is, is sort of the reasonable expectations for Miami as, you know, is it immediately competing for an ACC title? Like, college football is so up in the air right now. And I know you're dealing with that, right? USC, it's sort of the same thing with Lincoln Riley coming in and and wiping things clean. So what is your sort of, I guess, state of the University of Miami at the moment? First and foremost, it's the university committing money to the football program and the athletic program. It's an arms race. I mean, you go down to Alabama. I know it's an SEC team. You look at their weight room, you look at their facilities, you look at the doctors that they have on staff. It's the same at Clemson. You bring in Dan Radakovich over here. You know, he's, he's built it. He's raised money. Uh, so they're really investing and they're going all in, which is what has been needed for a very long time. So from that aspect, it finally seems like they have the support to build something. Normally on a college cycle, you're looking at at least three years. However, the caveat is this transfer portal. We've seen 20,000 kids enter the transfer portal in football since 2018, since its inception. And, and that's hard. Uh, you, you also run into the problem of, you know, are these kids going to leave after two years? Are we going to get a COVID break? Are people going to sit out again? But it's about the culture. And the hire of Mario Cristobal, he is culture. He is South Florida. And I think he embodies what the university wants to represent. And he obviously has brought a couple of Oregon Ducks with him mm-hmm. and it took a lot to get him away. He left money on the table reportedly uh, from going back to Oregon, but I mean, $8 million a year with no state tax, you know, I think yeah, you're doing just it. fine. <laughs> it, it's really going to come down to his coordinators. The knock on Mario Cristobal has been his ability to call plays and his ability to develop players. When you talk specifically about South Florida, you're talking about producing the most NFL talent anywhere else in the country is right here mm-hmm. so number one you got to keep the kids home and you've got to develop these kids i don't care if they're a five-star coming out you know you've got to develop that kid and you need to build a culture where it's football first i can tell you i was at usc when pete carroll was there they had the run and kiffin everyone's familiar with down here you know took over and, and, and what's taken place since then the culture changed and there's a lot of distractions in miami and obviously your college kids you want to have a good time and now with this NIL money, it's another layer, but you have to make it about football. It's about getting to the NFL. It's about winning. And the other knock on Mario Cristobal has been that he runs a pistol offense. And you have Tyler Van Dyke, curious to see what they do with the coordinator. Uh, you also have Jake Garcia, who's a very, very good quarterback as well. Uh, Jake, both are planning on staying. And then they, they got the, the athlete kid that's a freshman, you know, who could be 
coming up. But you have you have two very, very capable quarterbacks. Obviously, Tyler Van Dyke in the conversation for ACC first team was the rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year. Uh, he's got a lot of talent. And you remember Justin Herbert and, you know, no one really knew him coming out because of the offense that they ran. Yep. But look what yep. he's done here. Sorry, Dolphins fans. I know it's a little, you know, <laughs> yeah, to a Justin Herbert. Subject. <laughs> but, you know, Mario Cristobal, I, I would expect him that the expectation would be to win the division. You know, obviously Clemson's the big boy. Uh, you know, but the goal is to be at a New Year's bowl game. I would say that, you know, bowl eligible six and six, you know, six wins is not going to get it done. Right. Uh, you know, you have all of the tools. You've got, you've got the keys to the kingdom. Year one's a throwaway. You're going to kind of, you know, but he's been building organs programs, but you've got to find the kinks that work here. Like kind of like us, like, Hey, we've had one year, throw stuff at the wall, see what sticks exactly. you know, and you, you adapt. So now it's like, all right, now you got your footing. Your two are making headway. Your three, boom, got it full fledged. And, and that's kind of how the cycle of college football works or really any coaching cycle, but it's about the kids. You've got to find the kids that want to be there, that want to be there for the right reasons. You talked about the Panthers locker room, the Heat locker room. It's mm. not about the coaches. It's about the kids and the culture. And in college, the coaches have a much stronger impact to mold the kids. And if they can buy in, you know, they have a chance to be special because, uh, you know, it's it'll be considered a top program in the country. And look, if guys are staying home, I spent, you know, all of this high school football season going around to different parts of Broward and Dade County for the first time covering oh. these teams, doing what, what what Donovan's been doing for you guys for the last number of years. And he's been talking my ear off about how good guys are. I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. Now that I'm seeing it firsthand, if you're able to keep just a percentage of these guys home that weren't staying home before of these four and five star recruits. There's just so much talent. And that's why you do have to believe, like you said, year three, right? That's the main cycle. But man, with this transfer portal, with the hype of what Miami, I can't think of other, uh, seriously, uh, the state of Florida is the perfect place to transfer to, whether that's UF, FSU, UCF, Miami, any of those schools, why wouldn't you want to come live in Florida? Right. And, and yeah. everything that comes with that, especially in Miami or in Orlando that are actually kind of cool cities. So sure. when, you, when you have that available to you and these impact players that they'll be recruiting right away, I mean, it's an exciting time. I, I, look, I'm a UCF guy. We all know that. I've been uh, pretty obvious about that. But it's always better for college football when Miami is good. And, and I'm excited yeah. to see what Mario is going to build. All right. Last topic here. Before we let you go, um, and we might play a little quick game if you do have time at the end, but the Miami Dolphins, now, you. that's the big one here for what, what you guys cover over at WSVN. Um, you know, it's every team, but football-centric NFL, Miami Dolphins, uh, str- strange, strange ending to their season. The last time I was speaking about the Dolphins on here, we had Ruthie Polinski on, and they had just beat the Baltimore Ravens and were starting what we were hoping would be a streak to save their season. And they came damn close. They won eight of their last nine. But despite that, Brian Flores was fired after missing the playoffs. There were rumors swirling all year long about a Deshaun Watson trade, obviously the baggage that comes with some of that. And there have been sort of conflicting reports as to who within the organization actually wanted him. But now, where we stand today, the Dolphins are coachless at the time of this conversation, at least. Uh, Tua is seemingly the quarterback moving forward, and there's rumors of Brian Dayball from Buffalo coming down. He's coached Tua before. 
There's Mike McDaniel, who has all of these hilarious social media clips out in San Francisco. Uh, maybe if you could just sort of give me your assessment of what this season felt like to you covering the Miami Dolphins and sort of where you see them as an organization at the moment as they go forward and and need to hire the next guy. Well, this season, having covered the Packers for the last six years and understanding how this, that organization's run, it's run completely differently down here. I would say that this season was a disappointment as far as Steven Ross's standards. If you really look at it, the Raiders game last second field goal, the Jaguars, the Falcons, you go from nine and eight to 12 and five. It's that simple. Yep. Game of inches. If you want it, your sports cliche, uh, it starts with leadership in the locker room. You you can't have co-offensive coordinators. You can't have Charlie Fry then calling the play. It's like the cloak and dagger. It's football. Simple. Like if you talk to these players, I remember Xavier Howard, if you show him the all 12 film, he's focused on his job. You just, Focus on your jobs. That's all you need to do. Streamline everything. It's hard to get 11 people working together and in sync. But that's the game. These people have been doing it their entire lives. You need organization inside the locker room. We talked about that with the other teams. Tua not being a captain, I understand there was all that to Sean Watson. I don't care. You're the quarterback. You better step up and take that responsibility. I don't care if you're 23. I don't care if it's your second play, you know, year. That being said, he's probably going to be going on his third offensive coordinator in his third season. So has he been set up for success? Absolutely not. No. You can't fault him for that. Organizationally, they're at a pivot point. They decided that the communication wasn't good with Brian Flores. My concern is that any of these head coaching candidates, I don't think you're going to get an upgrade from Brian Flores. Right. Immediately, at least. I don't feel, I feel the same way. I, I thought Brian Flores was a great coach. And here, you know, why did he struggle early in the season? You know, it, it's the players buying in and that leadership. So what are you going to do in the future? What's the future look like for Chris Greer? He hit early on his picks, did a great yes. job acquiring picks prior, but he, he missed, you know, and that's kind of part of the cycle. So what are you going to do in this year's draft? You've got the most cap space of any team. Who are you going to bring in? But the first thing is to get a head coach and you got to figure out what the safeguard is. So as a head coach, if you don't perform with Steven Ross, basically being an, an older man right now, and mm-hmm. he doesn't know how many years he's got left, he wants to win. So I think it's playoffs. I think it is playoffs next year but this team has no history of winning in the playoffs. They, they got rid of all of their captains from a year ago this season because of cap space. So I think that was part of the early struggles in the season, you know, as far as that locker room. So who can you bring in? If you're going to bring in a Mike McDaniel, is he a leader of men? I'm not sure. He's never been a head coach. He's great. He's witty. He can relate to the players, but if you're going to bring in a $60 million free agent from another team, you're going to have the stones as a five foot nine, 170 pound guy. That's never been a head coach to tell a defensive tackle. That's an all pro. Like I need you to do this. Is he going to listen to you? I'm in, I'm intrigued by, well, and I guess that's my question for you. So would you prefer whether it's Dayball or McDaniel, right? Those guys are not, I guess, does Dayball have head coaching experience? No, he does not. He does not. So would you prefer that the dolphins be bringing in someone specifically with head coaching experience, even if, Maybe they don't have the highest ceiling because at least you know, hey, they, they're capable of delegating to coordinators, something that Brian Flores, who had only been a coordinator before, seemingly struggled with. Sure. So that's kind of the Dallas Cowboys system right now with Mike McCarthy right. and then Dan Quinn, who's a candidate, and Kellen, yeah, and Moore, Kellen who both, Moore, who both who both interviewed for the job here. Um, I think that you do need a voice. You need one voice. And I think that needs to come from the top down and the head coach. He has to, to have that. 
you know, Brian Flores was more off the Belichick tree. You know, yeah. I, I'm more of, you know, what you kind of talked about, you know, a little more laissez-faire players coach like Spolstra, but he has the guys where they kind of, he's You're just the got CEO, a, essentially. Exactly. It's yeah. the Phil Jackson Zen, you know, where got you it. just get players what you need. I like that, but I don't think that they have the roster right now for that to work. That's true. So you've talked about Vance Joseph, a Leslie Frazier. Sure. Yeah, but then can you get a coordinator, and is someone willing to come be a coordinator? Dable makes sense if two is your guy, but if you don't, if you don't make the playoffs next year and the draft picks don't hit from Greer, Greer's gone. Now you're gone as a head coach. You don't want to come here. Nathaniel Hackett was just named the head coach of the Denver Broncos. That was the most intriguing job. I think that was the best job before the Saints job came open because of what they have there. Obviously, the ties to Green Bay. Can he bring Devontae Adams? Can he bring Aaron yeah. Rodgers? We'll see. Aaron Rodgers is not coming to Miami. Anybody that's listening, not happening. I Not happening. Uh, so they, they really have to decide if two is their head coach or two is their quarterback. We saw the Giants say Daniel Jones is our quarterback. If you're Dable, who interviewed twice there, finalist for that job, you're going to choose Daniel Jones. You're going to choose right. Tua. But like, there's a lot that goes into that decision. Um, we're we're going to have a transition year. And a, a player was anonymously quoted. It was a defensive player for the Dolphins saying, you know, two is here. I'm wasting my time. I don't know who it was. Um, you know, but you need a quarterback. And is, is Tua your guy? I know he's the fifth overall pick. I know the tanking for Tua. I know it's really hard seeing Burrow do well, or Justin Herbert do well. But right. remember, this guy's injured. You know, get an offensive line in front of him. That, to me, is the most important thing. Spend your money on offensive line. Protect Tua. Get a running back. Yep. You need someone, and you need some more weapons on the outside. Will Fuller was an experiment. It was a try. Didn't work. Uh, so I, I think there's a lot wrong with the organization. I don't think it's going to be fixed overnight. So can mm-hmm. they get to 10 wins? That's probably the expectation next year. But if they start 1-7 and seven again, it ain't going to happen. Oof, uh, right. I, I, think, I think the Bills are obviously the top of the division. You know, you watch that game against the Chiefs. The Dolphins are nowhere near either It's another game. Teams. It's another game. It's another sport. <laughs> you throw the Ravens healthy in, not even close. And then you want to talk about the Patriots in the division with, you know, another year for Mac. I think it's tough enough, ascending. right? It's tough enough that they're just another team there. That that's a, that's a hurdle. Right. And you know, uh, Robert Saul is actually down here in Miami right now. as the Jets coach. Uh, you know, so I'm curious, I, I would put the Dolphins three in the division right now. Yep. And you've got to have one consistent voice. You have to have a vision. You have to have, uh, synergy between Ross, the GM, Chris Greer, and whoever this head coach is going to be. And you need coordinators that know how to do this. And you need to bring in some veteran guys with your money that are going to come in and mandate a culture. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest difference. I love Jerome Baker. Is he that guy in the locker room? I'm not sure. Christian Wilkins seems to be that guy. Uh, Are they going to re-sign Emmanuel Agba? Can you use Mike Kosicki well? Are you going to pay him the $12 million? Someone, please, someone, please use Mike Kosicki well. But, I mean, he's the number one tight end in free agency. So, is he going to go? Um, you know, so you've got a lot of different ways that you can go. It, it's, I'm curious to see now that Nathaniel Hackett's been named a head coach. He's the first one. How quickly are these dominoes going to fall? Exactly. So, mm-hmm. if you're waiting for McDaniel, he's still playing. The, assist, the running backs coach of the Rams. Everyone else, if, if you loved these guys, you would have hired them already. So, you're obviously knowing that they don't love the Vance Joseph, the Quinn. So everyone else is done. To, to me, where I'm at, and this is just my own personal opinion, every, you know, everybody can can make of it what they want. If I were Brian Dayball, 
I would want to actually work with Daniel Jones because his skill set is closer to what I've worked with than Josh Allen in terms of big dude who can run a little bit and throw a little bit, and it seems closer to the same development project. And Mike McDaniel, to me, just me, if Tua has his weaknesses, well, Mike McDaniel designed a run game that's gotten Jimmy Garoppolo to the Super Bowl and also now moments away from the Super Bowl again. And so his ability to to make Raheem Mostert a superstar as a running back and maximize a running game. Now, that requires having great offensive linemen, and there's a lot of work to be done there. Okay, And they have Saquon in, in New York. Right, and they have Saquon in New York. That's so he piece. could view that as, all right, I'll, pss, he's a monster. I'll save him there. So there's a million different ways to go. But I'm, I'm so fascinated to see what ends up happening here with the Dolphins and who they end up hiring, like you said, because it might be a they might be waiting for the for the 49ers to be eliminated. And that's why it's taken so long. Or, like you said, it may have been hammer to fall. And when we're off this conversation, you know, the dominoes yeah. all fall and we, there could be a new head coach. Here's the one thing that I'll say. You have a new GM in New York. So you have a head coach and GM coming in together. You have the same situation in Minnesota, same situation in Chicago. So they're going to be tied to one another. That's a hurdle that the Miami job has. Chris career. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if Steven Ross is going to sell, you know, relinquish his ownership. We don't know if they're going to go in a different direction. Uh, We don't know how Deshaun Watson's legal situation is going to shake out. Um, No. So there's a lot in play and the pieces need to start falling so that we have an idea. Uh, but right now, they're sitting third in the division, and you know it, it's going to be another mediocre Miami Dolphins season. And we're hoping that a playoff win oh, you know, comes. That. It's already been two decades without a playoff win. Like let's, it's time. It's my whole life, bro. It's but literally. New, I don't remember yeah. the Dolphins winning a playoff game. You have this new training facility. That's a huge point for free agents to come. You know they have the cap space, so. Now's your time to make your move. It's just finding the right guys and to develop a culture of winning. And uh, Chris Guerrero have the chance to do that with all of the cap space. All right, Josh. So then with all of the uh, with all of the sports out of the way, I do want to do one last uh, sort of get to know me few topics here. They're essentially yes or no or just quick answers. So it's a th- summer this or that, summer or other random questions. So right. here we go. Asian inspire food, Latin inspire food. Which one? Ooh, Latin. Okay. Rap or country? Rap all day. <laughs> cruise vacation or a cabin in the woods? Depends where the cruise is, so, uh, <laughs> but I'll go cabin in the woods. Okay. Who was your first celebrity crush? Brooke Burke. Ooh. <laughs> you're, you're going on a drive for an hour. Music or podcasts? Music. Iced coffee or hot coffee? I store in South Florida. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right, right decision. Horror movie or comedy movie? Comedy. Uh, anything that you wish would come back into fashion? Ooh, uh, definitely not coming back into fashion. Those Jinko jeans with those huge pockets. <laughs> yes, that that could be the answer. That's even better yeah, I'm than anything else. I'm okay. going with that. Uh, your biggest pet peeve? People that are not truthful, that don't live up to their word. I like that. And uh, final, and this is the most important one, ice cream or French fries? I'm dipping the French fries in the ice cream, my man. That's, that's why we're friends. That's why we're friends right there. That's the right answer. 
All right, Josh. Well, thank you so much, man, for for spending yeah. the time with us. Real quick, let, let me give you an opportunity to plug everything that you're working on. Obviously, people can find you on WSVN, but if you want to give them times of day to tune in to see your sports casts um, and sports extra. Sure. So first and foremost, we're, we're digital medium as well. So my social media is at the Mose Nose. My last name is Moser. So the Mose Nose as a reporter, uh, an old coach gave it to me. It's stuck. Uh, we have our show Sports Extra on 1130 to midnight every Sunday on WSBN, full half hour of sports. I strongly urge you to check that Watch out. Watch it. Watch it. Watch and, it. I love all of we'll, those people over there. Watch it. Yeah. And then we have our normal newscast at 6, 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock at night. And most importantly, it's about engaging with the community. So if you guys have questions for me, if you have questions about players, you know, we can try to get some fun stuff set up. If you're doing anything cool, especially parents out there that have high school kids or the high school kids that are watching, you know, we're a sports community. So it's about supporting each other, building it up and really kind of showing the rest of Florida and really the country what we have here because South Florida special. Heck yeah, it is. Josh, this was a blast. Thanks so much for taking the time to join me. And next time you'll be in here studio with oh, me. Yeah. We'll get you in here in a couple of months. We'll make it happen. With some French fries and some ice cream. Yes, absolutely. There you go. All right, man. <laughs> Great talking with you. All right, Jack. See you guys. Thank you for listening to Bally Sports Florida's Miami Miked Up with me, Jeremy Taché. And a special thank you to our national sponsor in Southeast Toyota. Visit your local Toyota dealers or toyota.com today and take advantage of the amazing deals on their full line of vehicles. No matter your destination, Toyota goes with you. Toyota, let's go places. (laughs) 